For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good evening. Welcome, everyone. Can you hear me? Can the people on the Zoom hear me? Great. So this week, traditionally, um, we celebrate Shakyamuni Buddha's Great Awakening. Um, traditionally, there's a week of session. We don't have the facilities to do that now, but I will continue the celebration of this that that started yesterday. So 2,500 years ago, more or less, uh, on Wednesday, on the 8th, the great Buddha Shakyamuni awakened. And became liberated and freed himself from all of his ancient twisted karma, realized great freedom. And that experience we all celebrate this week and we invoke it through our zazen. So in our zazen we have a chance to partake of what the Buddha Shakyamuni realized. And part of that was a sense of great wonder, deep illumination, of deep interconnectedness. He saw how wondrous and awesome reality is. <coughs> he saw the ultimate universal, the reality of suchness. And he said that when he awakened the whole world, all beings, all people, earth, grass, and trees, mountains, and rivers, everything was awakened. So this uh, great experience we can get a taste of in our zazen as children of Buddha. So I want to invoke Shakyamuni's awakening through the words of one of his great descendants, one of our ancestors, Hongshu Zhongshui. He was a 12th century Chinese Soto Dong in Chinese, a teacher, uh, a great uncle of Ehe Dogen, who recites him often, the founder of Japanese Soto Zen. So um, I'm going to read uh, one of his practice discussions, instructions from this book, Cultivating the Empty Field. This one's called 
return to the source and serve the ancestors. So this is a way of invoking Shakyamuni Buddha's <coughs> great awakening. <coughs> so he said, those who produce descendants are called ancestors. Where the source emerges is called the where I'm sorry, where where the stream emerges is called the source. After beholding the source and recognizing the ancestors, before your awareness can disperse, be steadfast and and do not follow birth and death or past conditioning. So this return to the source, he says, where the stream emerges is called the source. This is a way of talking about full deep awakening. This is a way of talking about non-separation. So part of what Shakyamuni Buddha and all Buddhists realize when, awake, when awakening arises from the source is this experience uh, of, well, there's various words, but they don't touch it, but the ultimate, the universal, suchness. And uh, in Zen, it's sometimes called the, the source. This is not the source like some creator deity. This is the source that is always right now, here. And Shakyamuni returned to the source, where the streams flow forth. And part of that is to see that to see this non-separation, to see that we are all deeply, deeply, all of we beings are deeply interconnected. We all flow forth from the source into the ocean of all being. So the Buddha saw this. And it was wonderful. It is wonderful. So he says, after beholding the source and recognizing the ancestors, before your awareness can disperse, be steadfast and do not follow birth and death or past conditioning. So when we turn around to see, to turn the light within, and illuminate ourselves, this is here, this great source. So Hongzhou continues, if you do not succumb, then all beings will show the whole picture. All beings. Wake up and in turn the ground, the roots, and the dust are Clearly cast off all of our distractions, all of the attachments, all of our aversions, all of our fears. Let go. Although 
empty of desires, with deliberate deliberation, cut off transcendent, cut off transcendent comprehension. Cut off, although all all of these desires and deliberations are cut off, transcendent comprehension is not all sealed up. It's not locked away. Perfect, bright understanding is carefree amid the thousand images and cannot be confused. So our practice is not to shut ourselves off and, and hang out in the middle of what is wondrous, this wondrous awakening, but to allow it to spring forth. Within each dust mote is vast abundance. So we will chant lighter dharma gates are boundless without to enter them. Each bit of dust contains a whole. This uh, interconnectedness is something that we have learned more deeply in the last two years with uh, this pandemic that affects all of us, the virus that is everywhere that maybe will continue to be here in various ways. We can be vaccinated to protect ourselves from it, but also through our inter-sangha activities, through uh, our Zoom practice. Can they all still hear me on Zoom? Great. So uh, we have people who join our Sangha from many different states and different countries. We all can connect in this way. Within each dust mode is vast abundance. Within each box on the Zoom window is vast abundance. In a hundred thousand samadhis, all gates are majestic, all dharmas are fulfilled. Still, Moksha says, you must gather them together and bring them within. So how do we see how do we take, bring ourselves to the mountains and rivers, to all beings in Africa and Asia and Australia and California and even Michigan? How do we see this deep connectedness? All dharmas are fulfilled. Still, you must gather them together and bring them within. To reach the time honored, return to the source and serve the ancestors, join together in, into unity, scrutinize yourself, and go on. So we continue. We see this great wondrousness and suchness of illumination. But then we carry that out into our activity with all beings. So along with seeing, feeling, tasting this resplendent illumination, uh, this is responsive. So he talks about serving the ancestors. And the ancestors are, you know, the lineage of ancestors 
from Shakyamuni Buddha through the Sixth Ancestor and Bodhidharma and down to Hongja and Dogen and Suki Roshi and all of us. And it's also the ancestors of the future. How do we take care of the future ancestors? This is our job. To carry on this practice, to convey it, so that future ancestors will also awaken and see this wonder. So part of this is caring for the suffering of the world. In the Bodhisattva way, we see this deep interconnectedness, this deep wonder, but then how do we express it? How do we share it? How do we let it flow into the ocean of all beings? How do we each, in our own way, do that? So I want to uh, talk about something uh, from a, a great Catholic monk, Thomas Merton, who, who was one of the originators of Buddhist-Christian dialogue. So he was talking about not just all beings, but especially marginalized beings. And he says this in terms of monks how monks are, what, that, what home leavers are. But for us, practicing here in Chicago or wherever all the Zoom people are, um, we take care of this in the world around us. So Thomas Merton was said that for monks, and I think for us we can say uh, committed practitioners, um, take care of the marginalized because we are marginalized. He says the monastic or the practitioner is the committed marginal person outside the mundane world of society, but concerned for the ultimate spiritual state of all beings. So when we take this backward step, when we uh, settle into this ongoing practice of Sazen and awareness, something happens. We go beyond the uh, fame and gain of the uh, consumerist commercial world around us. So practitioners are concerned for the ultimate spiritual state of all beings. Merton, Merton talks about monks as marginal persons who withdraw deliberately to the margin of society, thereby seeking to deepen the essence of human experience in themselves and for all people. So um, we don't seek after fame and gain. We realize that we are marginal persons marginal person, a displaced person, a prisoner. All these people live in the presence of death, which calls into question the meaning of life. This is, this is the words of, of Thomas Merton. The work of the marginal person, the meditative person, the poet, is to go beyond death even in this life, to go beyond the dichotomy of life and death 
and to be a witness to life. Merton's practitioner is marginal, on the fringes, outside and irrelevant to the common stream of official goals and conventions of ordinary consumerist fame and gain. So uh, he says a monk's job, and again, I'm equating that with uh, the dedicated practitioners. So this is something that it's, it's easier in a monastery in a way. All the forms are set up uh, and one can follow the schedule and one really can doesn't have to decide what to do. One just sees oneself and all the uh, karmic entanglements arising. But this is something that, as committed lay people in the world, we can also do for the benefit of the world and ourselves. So he talks about this true practitioner is on the fringes, outside and irrelevant to the common stream of social goals and conventions. Such a practitioner's job is to stand witness to all life and death from a place that transcends the boundaries, remaining clear and observant of the fundamental meaning of whatever may be experienced in each thing, in each dust mode, in each situation. What is fundamental? Where is the stream that is coming from the source? So this is another way of talking about Shakyamuni Buddha's Great Awakening. Not caught up by our usual ideas and calculations about how we take care of our life and so forth. It's not that we don't take care of our life. It's not that we shouldn't also uh, take care of ourselves and all the people around us, of course, but we're not caught by it. And of course, we do get caught by it. So practically speaking, this is the pivot, the turning point. How do we be fully in our life, but not be caught by it? But this, uh, this idea of Buddha as being dedicated to all the so-called marginal beings, I think is very useful in seeing the nature of awakening that we celebrate. We celebrate Buddha's great awakening today. Another way of expressing um, Buddha's freedom and, and uh, metta for all beings, metta for all marginalized beings, for all oppressed beings, uh, loving kindness uh, is expressed in the words of a, an early song by Bob Dylan he talks about the chimes of freedom. And he gazes on the chimes of freedom flashing. Flashing for the warriors whose, stream, whose strength is not to fight. Flashing for the refugees on the unarmed road of flight. So we're living in a world where there are many refugees fleeing uh, dictators, fleeing climate damage, trying to find a way, trying to find a place where they can enter. He says, for each and every underdog soldier in the night, 
we gazed upon the chimes of freedom flashing. And talking about seeing the chimes, uh, Dongshan and uh, other great uh, Zen ancestors talked about seeing sounds, hearing sights. When we're sitting Zazen, all of the senses are involved so we can hear the wall in front of us. We can see the sounds of the radiators. All of our awareness is unified. Dylan continues, continues tolling for the tongues with no place to bring their thoughts, all down and taken for granted situations. So caring for marginal beings, for people who are in, in, in difficulty, tolling for the deaf and blind, tolling for the mute, tolling for the mistreated, mateless mother, the mistitled prostitute, for the misdemeanor outlaw chained, chased and cheated by pursuit, we gazed upon the chimes of freedom flashing. For each unharmful, gentle soul misplaced inside a jail, and he, he adds more, but our uh, legacy from our great ancestor Shakyamuni Buddha and from all the other ancestors is to care for the world. We see how the world is not separate, not, not, not objectified. We are all the subject. But then, practically speaking, we see mistreatment, and we try to respond. We respond as we can. Right now, this month, in the Supreme Court and everywhere, we see how women are being persecuted. The class war party is insisting that uh, pregnant women need to give birth and then give their babies away, even if they're victims of rape, whatever. Uh, so uh, this is part of seeing the reality the 10,000 things. And so we take care of each thing in the light of Buddha's awareness of suchness, of the great source from which the streams are flowing right now in each situation. So I'll read again what Hongshu says about this. Those who produce descendants are called ancestors. When the stream emerges, it's called the source, where the stream emerges. There's a wonderful poem about following the stream back to its source. This is something one can do. I tried to follow one of the side streams of Tassajara, and I lived there back to its source. I didn't get all the way back, but anyway. I did find the source of a stream when I was camping out in the mountains in Colorado near Boulder, or a place where water started coming up. 
I don't know if it's more of the big stream, but anyway. But then also, as we sit, our thoughts, our thought stream arises. How do we follow that stream back to the source? This great suchness, this great wonder. So Hongzhu says, where the stream emerges is called the source. After beholding the source and recognizing the ancestors, before your awareness can disperse, be steadfast. Do not follow birth and death or past conditioning. We don't need to get caught by that stuff. We have to see it. We have to face it. It's not that we should you know, expunge all of our history. We have to know the history of ourselves and our country. But we, can, we don't have to be caught by it. If you do not succumb, Hunter says, then all beings will show the whole picture. Wake up. And in turn, the ground, the roots, the dust are clearly cast off. All of the different elements are clearly cast off. But he doesn't, he doesn't mean to, um, to, to destroy them. Just, we don't get caught by them. Although empty of desires, with deliberations, cut off transcendent with, I'm sorry, I keep get, getting stuck on the sentence. Although empty of desires, with deliberations cut off, transcendent comprehension is not all sealed up. We share our awareness and our awakening with all beings. Perfect, bright understanding is carefree amid its thousand images and cannot be confused. So, practically speaking, we have to be sort of playful and uh, try new things and um, not turn this into some rigid dogma or something like that, because it's not. It's just the source streaming out into all beings. Within each dust mode, Hong just says, is vast abundance. In a hundred thousand samadhis, all gates are majestic. All dharmas are fulfilled. Still, you must gather them together and bring them within. So all the difficulties of our life are right here, on your seat, here now. To reach the time-honored, return to the source, serve the ancestors. Join together into unity, scrutinize yourself, and then go on. So this is um, an invocation of Shakyamuni Buddha's Great Awakening, which um, has caused trouble for 2,500 years. Here we are. So, comments or questions or responses from anyone here in Ebenezer, or you can let Alex know if you have questions on Zoom. Yes. Hi. 
one thing that led me to practice and I continue to uh, struggle with is the tension between caring, not simply separating and trying to bury my head in the sand, Mm -hmm. but also not being consumed with anger and judgment and uh, this this terrible deluded person is or these deluded people are causing so much suffering and then I just get in you know into the spiral of hatred and then I try to separate from that but still being uh still paying attention without getting caught as you said that's uh, I haven't yet figured out how to cast off the dust. Yes. So Thank you. Yes, we haven't figured out yet how to cast off the dust. That's right. It's not something we can figure out, actually. And yes, uh, it's easy to feel angry at some of the things that, that, that are happening in our world and some of the institutions and so forth. But... Um, Hate, you know, hatred cannot end by hatred, somebody says. <coughs> so, uh, our zazen practice is about following the stream back to the source, settling, being able to be steady and resilient. And uh, somewhere, Hongzha talks about the 10,000 years to see the long view. Even when we see urgent situations, that need to, that are causing horrible damage right now, to respond not from some sense of uh, hatred or anger or, or you know being frantic, but actually to find how to you know, what would Buddha do? <laughs> what would Dogen do? What would Sugiroshi do? Uh, how do we find our balanced way to be resilient? It's not about turning away from the world and hiding it, hiding as you said. But um, skillful means, which is a bodhisattva practice, is something that requires patience. And sometimes there's nothing to be done. But if you're paying attention from a place of settlements, then... Um, Sometimes you might see something that you can do that would help. And it's not a matter of finding some technique or strategy. And there are all kinds of approaches to how to take care of particular uh, problems in the world. But um, we have to be flexible and see what's going on now. Keep paying attention. So, yes, thank you. That's, that's, that is the question for us now. And um, how do we not get caught by the question? Let's keep paying attention, steady, gentle, but attentive and ready to respond when there's something you can do and seeing what other people are doing and joining in when you see something that somebody, some group or somebody's doing that you think is helpful, but just yelling at, you know, I mean, I, I sometimes fall into, you know, preaching to the choir and talking about some of these things that are happening. 
Um, we have to look and see what's helpful. So thank you for your question. Thank you. Sorry, I don't have an answer. <laughs> Other comments, questions, responses? People on Zoom also. Yes. I believe uh, Ed had a question or comment. Good. Oh, me? I thought I saw you unmute yourself earlier, Ed. Sorry. Oh, well, um, thank you for your talk. And I, I just I want to say that um, I almost think that marginalization or the human expression of being marginal is the only beautiful thing in the world. Huh. And we, we think of it in terms of violent outcomes and oppressed political oppression and so forth. But the human spirit is almost only manifest in its beauty in a marginalized state, whether or not there is a consciousness of it or not. Right now in Chicago, we're sort of the end of the year parties with the con different contractors. And I've decided this year I'm not going to go to any Irish contractor parties. <laughs> I'm gonna, You're I'm really depriving yourself, Ed. I, I, I just want something different. And so I'm going to, I went to a Polish contractor party last night. It's amazing. <laughs> they don't just throw the cabbage on the plate, they actually bother to wrap it around potatoes. And <laughs> so all these years I was marginalized. I didn't even realize it. And the traditional, the, when the Polish people dance in their pre-industrial folk, folk, they dance in circles. In the Irish, we only dance in lines. It's so much more interesting. And so the experience of being marginalized in the world is almost always maybe more unconscious than conscious. So I just want to say that, and thank you for your talk, which brought these thoughts together for me. Thank you, Ed. And I, yes, I would say that um, all of us are marginal. You know, we're not um, <laughs> we're not in Congress or the White House. Thank God. Um, how do and it's it's our marginalized it's our marginalization is that what you said that brings us to practice. We're not caught by the usual stories. We're not caught by the by the uh, consumerist uh, priorities of fame and game. We see something deeper. What that is that brought you to practice in the first place? That's Buddha or Bodhicitta to get technical, but it's it's the uh, Concern for awakening, the concern for fullness. So thank you, Ed. I don't know what time do we have to be out of this room at some time? Nine o'clock. Okay, so we have and we have to and we have to put things away. So we have time for one or two more comments, responses, questions. Yes, Jen. Um, your talk made me think of that piece of music. Uh, called the, the Moldau, uh, there's another name for it, but it starts out with the, um, the, the beginning of the river. Can you hear her on Zoom? Yeah, sort of, a little louder. Okay, uh, I, I was thinking of um, Smetana's composition, the Moldau, and uh, how at the beginning of the composition you hear 
the beginning of the river or the source. And as uh, other sources join into the river, it begins to be more and more um, of what we think of as a river rather than just a little trickle. And um, in the end, um, the river passes through a great gate into the ocean. And, uh, and so all of this is depicted in a piece of music. Great. I don't know that much about music, but I think the fugue is also a little bit like that. It starts with a theme and spreads out and then comes back to the source. Um, and then you realize it never really left it. Yes. We never really left the source. That's how we are here. One more comment, response? Well, um, Eve, go ahead. Or is there somebody? Yeah, go ahead. Somebody on Zoom? Um, Amina, do you have a, a comment or question? Hi, Amina. Hi. Um, this is a basic question, but what is the stream? Is it is it our practice, Zazen, or is it all of life or something else? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all of them? All of the above, and and all the and everything else that's not included in all of the above. Everything we bring everything back to just this suchness. Everything you can think of, and everything that you cannot think of, and everything that thinks of you, and everything that can't think of you, all is here. And from that place. I think we can respond more effectively to all of the oppression and suffering of the world because we are marginalized. We can appreciate when people are being marginalized or oppressed. But it's coming, but coming from that place where everything is right here. Is that okay, Amina? Definitely. Thank you. You're welcome. So, um, I guess we need to um, start putting things away, right? Announcements, and then, yeah. Yeah, announcements, or why, why not? Uh, um, so, Mike, can you chant the four bodhisattva vows and then we'll have announcements and then we'll put it all away? Beings <clears throat> are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. 
Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it.